Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. AgriPod is brought to you by Proven Seed. Performance you can count on in canola, soybeans, cereals, corn, and forages. On this episode, crop yields have been seriously impacted by this year's hot weather and lack of rainfall. As a result, many prairie farmers will not be able to meet their contractual obligations to grain companies simply because they don't have the product to sell. Saskatchewan's NDP opposition has sent a letter to the provincial government asking them to take immediate action to protect producers who are unable to deliver on the terms of their forward contracts and are now facing severe financial penalties. NDP agriculture opposition critic Trent Weatherspoon will outline what they want the government to do to help farmers. A new diagnostic extension service is being offered to farmers and veterinarians to help translate diagnostic results into treatments. Prairie Diagnostic Services works collaboratively with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. PDS is a full-service animal health lab that provides diagnostic services for all animal species and primarily serves clinical veterinarians but also animal owners and researchers. Dr. Yanyan Huang, an anatomic pathologist and CEO with PDS, he'll talk about the new service, how it provides analysis of the results and guidance for formulating treatments. After the break, Trent Weatherspoon. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Trent Weatherspoon is a member of the legislature in Regina, and he's also the opposition critic for agriculture in Saskatchewan. Trent, uh, there's been a lot of concern raised recently about uh, how undelivered grain contracts are going to impact farmers this uh, this next year. So first of all, let's talk about uh, the New Democratic Party's uh, concerns with regards to that and what they uh, hope to achieve with uh, bringing this uh, more to the forefront on the provincial uh, political side. When, with respect to uh, grain contracts and the terrible bind that so many producers are in right now, where as a result of the devastating drought, they just don't have the volumes to fulfill the uh, forward grain contracts. They're really stuck in a real terrible situation now. And in many cases, the penalties that they're uh, facing simply aren't reasonable and and could bankrupt uh, bankrupt many operations. And time is of the essence because uh, each of those contracts has different uh, delivery dates on them. But, uh, you know, certainly at the end of this month and the months moving forward, uh, producers are uh, in a real serious uh, situation. So we want to make sure there's some standards and some peace of mind, uh, which is why we're calling uh, on the, the provincial government in a, in a real cooperative way, uh, a readiness to work together to uh, protect uh, the livelihoods and operations um, all across our province um, with respect to this challenge around grain contracts and, and ultimately pass legislation or facil- facilitate the passage of legislation that would uh, ensure that if producers that are in this terrible bind where they can't fulfill um, their uh, their volume of, of, of grain are able to carry that forward uh, until next year, um, as well as working to establish a uh, an independent grain contract arbitration that can uh, quickly resolve 
disputes between grain companies and uh, producers, and, and that would have uh, need to have a majority of producers at that uh, on that board. Is it even possible that provincial legislation would be able to retroactively change contracts that were actually signed months ago? This is uh, the province does have the domain, the jurisdiction with respect to business contracts. Uh, what we're facing is an unprecedented situation with respect to the drought. And, uh, you know, we hear lots of stories where uh, some grain companies are uh, allowing folks to carry forward their amounts and work uh, their volumes to next year and are working in a very reasonable way with folks. Uh, we hear um, the opposite uh, for many, many producers across uh, the province, a, a real disparity in, in place on this front. So with respect to this unprecedented situation, we do think it's incumbent of the provincial government to step up and to provide this level of protection and to recognize that ultimately uh, producers take on uh, risk year in, year out and are so key to uh, to uh, to agriculture and to uh, the, uh, you know, the grain trade industry as a, as a whole. So we think it's an important uh, standard. It doesn't allow them to walk away from their contract, but it does give them uh, significant flexibility um, to fulfill that contract into uh, next year when they're in a position that they simply don't have uh, don't have the grain. You sent a letter to Saskatchewan's Agriculture Minister where you talked about this independent grain contract arbitration board. Do you see this as uh, a government-appointed board, and what do you envision the role of this type of board? Well, ultimately, it should be independent of uh, government. It needs to be enacted uh, by government. I, I think that you would work with your producer groups for them to put representatives to populate that uh, the producer majority on that board. Certainly, we're ready to work cooperatively to work out those details. Uh, but that board would be there to hear um, the situations where there's conflict um, and uh, where there's not resolution between the uh, the producer and the grain um, company. Uh, certainly the legislation would be real helpful to allow folks to be able to carry forward obligations that they can't fulfill this year. But there may need to be some verification of, um, of volumes and of, of crop. And we have you know resources as well through crop insurance on that front to assist in verification. But ultimately there needs to be um, um, some sort of structure to hear uh, these conflicts and work towards quick resolution. And that's why uh, uh, we've put forward the idea of um, an arbitration board to do so. Do you see this as um, a type of a long-term board or just a one-year role dealing specifically with the circumstances of this particular growing season? We would see this as uh, in response to the current uh, uh, drought crisis that uh, Saskatchewan has experienced and would see it as uh, in response to that. So largely, um, you know, something that would uh, uh, be in place for a short period of of time to work through um, the resolution of these uh, these contracts. So we would see this as a as a temporary um, board uh, in aid of uh, resolution of the, you know, the challenges that uh, producers are facing this year. Do you expect that there would be pushback from the grain companies if the government agreed to do this? 
Well, there may be some pushback from some. Ultimately, I know grain companies uh, should understand, and I know many do understand, just how important producers are to uh, them being able to fulfill their uh, contracts and their obligations year in, year out. And they know they, they recognize and know how important it is for producers to uh, make those commitments uh, as they have and then take on the risk and seed that crop and get it delivered back to those uh, grain uh, companies. So um, I would see, I see this as a, a very, it's a solid step, uh, a reasonable step, one that respects uh, you know the grain company within uh, the uh, this this industry, but uh, simply provides some standards and some protections for producers who uh, really, uh, you know, many are in a situation here where they're just simply at a at a breaking point. And this could possibly come up during uh, the fall sitting of the legislature. The scheduled date right now is the final week of October. Um, and so we're, we're ready to work right now, though, and nothing prevents us from recalling that legislature to ensure passage um, of legislation to this effect uh, on this front. We have made the call, um, separate from this, that uh, we feel the legislature should have been convened already to deal with um, the, you know, to tackling and containing the fourth wave of, of COVID. So we feel we should be sitting right now anyways. That being said, this call is placed in uh, the spirit of cooperation, and we're ready to work with government to protect uh, producers. And the sooner the better on this front, because uh, producers are making decisions as we speak and are enduring serious uh, stress and uncertainty. Trent Weatherspoon is an NDP MLA in Regina and the opposition agriculture critic. After the break, Dr. Yanyan Huang with Prairie Diagnostic Services will talk about the important role they play in helping veterinarians and farmers diagnose problems in their livestock. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Dr. Yanyan Huang is the Chief Executive Officer of Prairie Diagnostic Services. So let's talk about your organization and the new extension diagnostic service that's been launched. Prairie Diagnostic Services, PDS, is a full-service animal health diagnostic laboratory. It is set up as a not-for-profit organization Um, funded by the Ministry of Agriculture of Saskatchewan and the University of Saskatchewan. We provide laboratory diagnostic services for all animal species, and our clients are mostly clinical veterinarians, but um, we also serve some animal owners and researchers. As I said, we are a full-service animal health diagnostic laboratory, so we offer all the um, disciplines within our sector, uh, for example, bacteriology, virology, molecular biology, toxicology, parasitology, anatomic pathology, and clinical pathology. Um, with, with this wide range of services, it's uh, really uh, quite difficult to list all the equipment we use, but I can, what I can tell you is that we continue to keep up with the the newest and best um, type of equipment to do our job. And uh, within our team, we have um, around 70 um, employees, including over 10 diagnostic veterinary professionals. What prompted the creation of this service and, and who do you expect to make the most use out of it? 
Yes, that's a good question. Um, I am very proud of um, people working in PDS. Um, we are very good at doing what we are doing, which is to provide diagnostic results um, to veterinarians and animal owners. Um, we have been doing a very good job in this, but what we could see is that we have room to even improve um, in the area of to helping the veterinarians to interpret the diagnostic data. And that's why we created this um, swine diagnostic extension service. Um, within this service, we partner with doctors John Harding and Matthias Coaster. Both are um, professors in WCVM. So they are going to take and answer client phone calls and emails regarding um, when you have consultation need on a diagnostic plan. So if veterinarians are facing a case that they're not quite sure um, what to submit as diagnostic samples and what tests to request, um, Dr. Dr. Harding and, and Costa can help them with that. Um, and when there's a complex clinical cases, um, for example, if a veterinarian um, submitted several cases to PDS in different times, and then the reports were generated by different diagnostic professionals, and the veterinarian needs some help to put all the reports and data and results together and need some expert second opinions on, regarding on the clinical actions, they can also contact um, our services. And then finally, um, if, if there are um, some cases that uh, they, um, veterinarians have the diagnostic results and they, are, they just need a second pair of eyes or a second opinion on um, how, how that can translate into their clinical actions, they can also contact uh, Dr. John Harding and Matthias Costa. How do users access this service and, and what do you need from them in order to, to get the job done and, and get the results that they're looking for? Yes, uh, we see this service mostly will benefit swine veterinarians and mixed animal veterinarians who deal with some swine uh, cases. They can email or call Dr. John Harding and Costa when um, this go online, we will have a link to their emails and phone number um, so that our uh, your listeners will get those information um, on, on the website or, or, or in this uh, podcast. Um, what, they, what they need to provide, um, basically just the clinical histories, uh, what kind of problems they are dealing with, and uh, if there are some diagnostic reports from PDS, they can also um, bring that to um, to our attention, and then um, I believe they can then work with um, Dr. Harding and Costa. Um, I think one of the benefit is that veterinarians can get clinically relevant expert opinions, um, and which will be a value added um, service on top of our diagnostic results. Um, and this service will be free of charge to our clients or potential clients. And um, by this service, I, I can see it will further link animal health to the diagnostic laboratory. Um, 
it will more fully translate the diagnostic information into actions for veterinarians and farmers. Um, I think we have done a good job in translating the um, diagnostic information to um, clinically relevant um, interpretation, but we are seeing that we can um, do an even better job by this service. Tell us a little bit about what the response has been to the service this far. Yeah, we just started not far uh, not far ago, so um, it has yet to be seen. I know that we have several inquiry, inquiries and several um, instances that um, the veterinarians uh, took on this service. Um, I have not heard anything but good, um, but I'm also confident that this will um, grow into even a um, better taken service by the veterinarians. And just share with us again how we can access this service. Yep, as I said before, email Dr. John Harding and Matthias Costa and or phone them. And I, I do hope we can provide this information um, linked with the pro- broadcast. Any final thoughts? Well, I want to repeat something that I have uh, shared before. Um, I firmly believe a correct diagnosis is three-fourths of the remedy. Um, and the extension service is going to really help in the one-fourth that is remaining. Dr. Yanyan Huang is the Chief Executive Officer with Prairie Diagnostic Services based at the University of Saskatchewan. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of September 20, 2021. The federal Liberals were re-elected to government and so was their last Minister of Agriculture. Marie-Claude Bebo was returned to her Quebec riding of Compton-Stansted. She had a comfortable 2,600-vote margin over the Bloc Québécois candidate. The president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan is pushing for two pieces of farm legislation to receive quick approval when the Trudeau government returns to Parliament. Todd Lewis said two important items died on the order paper with the election call. He wants them returned for quick passage. One of the bills had stricter regulations on farm trespassers, and another would exempt farm fuel from the carbon tax used for grain drying. He said both of those bills passed in the House of Commons but not the Senate and should be reintroduced and approved. Cattle producers are still searching for additional sources of winter feed. Rosetown, Saskatchewan area grain producer Jim Wickett said that's what he's heard as he spoke to cattle producers in his region. The fall calf run is underway with just under 10,000 head sold in Saskatchewan the previous week. A research project aimed at developing a more accurate estimate of crops' use of soil nutrients is underway. University of Saskatchewan soil science professor Fran Wally and John Hurd, a soil fertility specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, are working with Lyle Cowell, the manager of agronomy services with Nutrient Ag Solutions in northeast Saskatchewan. Cowell says it's time for some new data, and he said there could be some positive news for growers. The average consumer doesn't know much about beef production, but many have heard the message that cows produce methane and contribute to greenhouse gas levels. The Canadian Cattlemen's Association wants to provide those consumers with additional information. CCA President Bob Lowe's has an Alberta feedlot that uses 25 to 50 tonnes a week of low-quality potatoes, peppers and other vegetables to feed cattle. 
A video and other messaging were presented to a focus group of 88 consumers during an online forum. CCA Public and Stakeholder Manager Amy Peck said the group had little prior knowledge about beef production. She said food waste is an important issue for many people, and she admitted it can be an uphill battle getting the cattle producer's side of the story to consumers because there are many preconceived notions. Regina-based Protein Industries Canada has outlined a plan to expand plant-based farm sales to $25 billion in 15 years. CEO Bill Gruel said the roadmap requires supporting coordination from business, government and researchers. The plan would expand Canada's plant-based sales from the current $2.5 billion to $25 billion by 2023. Grohl said the goal is to make Canada a world leader in the supply of plant-based food, feed and ingredients. High-tech irrigation systems can reduce water use in the short term, but can eventually end up having farmers use more water. It's a paradox known as the agricultural rebound phenomenon. Mohamed Goreshi is with the Global Institute of Water Security at the University of Saskatchewan. He recently published a paper that examined agricultural irrigation development in Alberta for the past 15 years. Goreshi said in the Bow River Basin, many farmers use their surplus water allocation to expand irrigation. If water conservation is a goal, Goreshi said government may need to consider buying back some water rights. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. AgriPod is brought to you by Proven Seed, performance you can count on in canola, soybeans, cereals, corn and forages. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.